Lord God, thank you for your word to us. I ask that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit and that you would empower us to hear your voice speaking to us this morning. Amen. Uh, are any of you familiar with the film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? <laughs> Fine, okay. Are you familiar with the story of Robin Hood? Yeah. Excellent, we'll do with that. It's like, in Ali's family, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is legendary. Uh, it was one of the few videotapes they had growing up. And so both Ali, her sisters and her cousins can recite every line, whether it's Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman or Alan Rickman, it's just all like that. It comes on TV and they text each other, go, it's this bit, run for the trees. Fine, never mind, we'll move on. Uh, my question is, if you are, if you imagine that story and you have Maid Marian in the tower, locked up by the Sheriff of Nottingham, and you have Robin outside the castle, beyond the moat, in the trees, watching with all his merry men, and he can send, Maid Marian sort of gets a message out by carrier pigeon saying, come, rescue me, I need you now, uh, more than ever, our love for you is like, oh, ever, you can fill, the, fill in the blanks, and an arrow judders into the wall, and there's no attached to it, and eagerly she unwraps it, and it says, best make the best of it. Why don't you marry the Sheriff of Nottingham? He's a nice guy. That's a lovely castle. You could do really well. I've always thought with some, the right drapes in the, in the tower, it could look lovely. Do your best for it. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'd be a very different film. <laughs> and the thing is, you read Jeremiah and you have the people of Israel have been captured. People who worship another god, a foreign god, have come in, they've destroyed Jerusalem. They've knocked down the walls, they've killed the king, and they've taken everyone. And I mean almost everyone, except those they weren't bothered about, those who weren't educated or who were slaves, who cares about them. But they've, they've taken all the rich, all the educated, all the people in the top jobs, and they've just whisked them away to Babylon to be slaves. And so the people of Israel are going, Lord! Rescue us! We've got all these stories of how you killed the Philistines and David and, and Goliath and um, Samson and the jawbone of the ass and he kills them all and... Look! They worship other gods, we worship you. Can, you! can you come and get us, please? We need rescuing. And Jeremiah sends them this message. Build homes plant gardens, have families, so that you will have many grandchildren. Seek the prosperity of the place that I have taken you in exile. It is not the message they want. It is not the message they're looking for. They want an end to their situation, they want an end to their suffering, an end to their slavery, like he ended their slavery before. Why won't he do it now? And the truth is, they are in that place because of their own disobedience. Uh, I've loved the fact we've been looking through Jeremiah and Lamentations on Sundays, on Wednesday at Communion uh, over the last few weeks. And so actually, although we often hear about Israel being punished, 
actually in Jeremiah, one of the passages we had a few weeks ago, we saw that one of the crimes of the people of Israel was they'd worshipped a God, a different God that required child sacrifice. And they were offering their own children, children of the people of Israel, children who shared in this covenant set down from, to Abraham for Isaac and Jacob and all of the generations following. They were having the children sacrificed as part of the worship of this other God. And whatever a prophet would say, whatever anyone said, they were not changing, they were not listening, they were nowhere near turning around in their behaviour. And God said, so all I can do is just literally stop you by taking you away, by crashing everything to the ground, and we start again, and you will turn to me, and when you turn to me with all your heart, then I will hear you. And he does hear them. But his promise has been, I will bring you home. I will. But not tomorrow. Not next week. Actually, it's far enough ahead that it's going to be your grandchildren who come back to Jerusalem where you were taken from. So for you right now, bless the people that you're with. Bless the city that you're in. Make it your home. Do the best you can for it, for the people around you who are your captors. And by increasing their peace, your peace will expand. Now, you can imagine, just in terms of practicalities, that you could have organised the people of Israel into a resistance group. Uh, They could have been trying to sabotage Uh, the water system in Babylon. They could have been trying to kind of bring down the system from within. They had people uh, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the very court of the king. They could have planned an assassination. Um, That was an option open to them. You can imagine what the response would have been from the Babylonians. Um, The idea of doing that and getting everyone out and rescued without the repercussions that would come from that. there would have been deaths, it would have been messy, it would have been painful, people would have been made examples of. I'm not saying God couldn't have done that, but we know from Nehemiah that actually God's chosen route was after 70 years. Nehemiah hears what's happened in Jerusalem and he is distraught. He tells the king and the king goes, oh, oh well, go back, build it up, absolutely. You'll need some money. You'll need some wood, some stone. I'll send it with you. Babylon pays for the rebuilding of Jerusalem in 70 years' time. But for those people in exile now, there is no rescue. There is no freedom. There is just the message, make the best of it. Now, again, I love the lectionary because I wouldn't have put this passage together with... Uh, the ten lepers that Jesus meets. Uh, You have Jesus continues on towards Jerusalem, reaching the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he enters the village, ten lepers stand at a distance. Of course they do. They're not allowed in the village. They're not allowed near anyone. They live outside on the rubbish dump. Uh, And if they came any close, people would throw rocks at them, chase them off with sticks. They cannot be touched. If you touch someone with leprosy, you are unclean. You cannot worship. Worth you know, obviously there's the fear that you might catch it 
and then you too will be living outside of the village on the rubbish heap, not able to come in and talk to anyone. As they stand at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus' response is immediate. says, go show yourself to the priests. Off they go, and as they go, they're cleansed. Immediately. Click of the fingers, done. They've not even got to the priests. They need to see the priests for the priest to go, yes, you're clean. Here's a certificate saying that you're clean. So when you go back to your village and they come out with the stones and the sticks, you go, look, I've got note from the priest. I'm allowed back in. I can come to worship. I can come back to my house. I can see my family. Look, it's all written down. So they have to get to the priests. But before they get there, they are already cleansed. And one out of the ten, seeing that he's been healed of the leprosy, comes back to Jesus and shouts, praise God, and falls down to Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he's done. Now, it's pointed out this man is a Samaritan. And Jesus says, I, I healed ten. Why has anyone come back? And, and he's a foreigner. He's not, even, he's not even a proper Jew. He doesn't, he's not, his response has not been to give glory to God. Now, again, like lots of places, you think, if I was in that situation, and I realised I was cleansed, and all I needed was a piece of paper from the priest, and then I could go home, I think I might have skipped the turning back to say thank you in my excitement about rushing forwards to get the stuff that allows me to get on with my life. But it's interesting, they talk about uh, the lepers being cleansed, and then Jesus comes and says to this man, your faith has healed you. And there is something here about the difference, the distinction between being cleansed, being something being fixed, and being completely healed. The fact that God offers to us complete healing. The fact that one day we stand with him in heaven and we are free from sin, we are free from sickness, we are free from death, we're free from shame, the things that cut us off from other people, all of that's going to be gone. We will be completely healed and free to live life with God forever. And of the ten lepers, one of them is engaged in that relationship with God, recognising that his immediate problem has been fixed by God and comes back and says, thank you, praise you. God is awesome. And then presumably then, legs to the priest, get a certificate and get back and carry on with his life. But there is this recognition of who Jesus is and he comes back. And so alongside the, those in exile who were Jews, who came to God saying, Lord, help us. And we're told, wait. We have ten lepers, at least nine of whom were Jews, crying, Master, help us. And God does it like that. But actually, God's heart in both situations isn't for the healing. It's not for the freedom. It's that he has a people who know they are loved, who live in freedom, who live life to the full with him. Now, cleansing leprosy is part of that. If there's something that keeps you outside of the village, you can't be part of the community. 
So he heals them. But actually, it's not just so they can have a life with their family. It's so they can be part of the religious, worshipping life of the people of God. Now, I have no idea what's going on in your life at the minute. But I know that the Bible talks about these two responses from God to our prayers. And the one is immediate, and the one isn't. But the heart of God in both doesn't change. The heart of God is for relationship. The heart of God is that people know him, know that they are loved by him, and are able to live life worshipping him, loving other people, and doing the stuff he's called them to do. Life in all its fullness. God has made a plan for the people in exile, and actually it's to keep them safe, and to bring them home without bloodshed at a time when the resources are there to rebuild the city, and actually when a generation that had gone completely astray have died, and their children are given a fresh start. But his heart for them is that they have a relationship with him. They still know they're his people. They know that he is caring for them. And so we see in Daniel the stories of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, of them, what it meant for them to try and stay Jewish, to live lives serving God in a country where everyone worshipped the other God and it was law to worship another God. He leaves them in that awful, difficult place where Daniel was thrown to the lions for worshipping God. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're into into the furnace. Esther, in that book, you almost see the whole people of uh, Israel wiped out by Haman and that, the plot in that story. It just, it wasn't a safe place. But actually in all those stories we see God providing, God caring for them. And actually Sunday school now, as for me growing up, was full of the stories of how God looked after people in that exile situation, in that place where they'd far rather been rescued. But actually, the illustrations of how God has been at work, how God has moved in that hard place, have sustained and grown the faith of people who believe in God for centuries. So for us at St James, God has called us to pray continuously. Rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. And we know when we pray... God hears us. But we also know that where sometimes we get answers where things are just dealt with and we praise God for those, there are other situations where we're in exile. We're in situations that are hard, situations that are difficult, situations we wish just hadn't happened in the first place or that God would take us out of straight away and they would just change completely. And God is staying his hand. Now that is hard, and I'm not trying to say pray, it's easy to praise God in those situations. We are still called to give thanks in all circumstances. We're still called to always rejoice. But the truth is when we're in those exile places, God has still promised to provide for us, to care for us, to be with us. And as we pray and as we support each other, we see those miracles. We see those little um, 
glimpses of God in the midst of pain. Doesn't justify the pain. But we know more about God, we go deeper in our understanding of who God is and how he works by being in that place of grief and pain and suffering. Again, that's not me saying, stay in the place of exile. It's right to cry out, it's right to say, God, I want this to end. And like the Israelites, God brings people out. But it's his timing. The concern for me in both these stories is the nine lepers who get what they want and they leg it. Because actually they miss out on what God wants, what God has for them. They miss the relationship, they miss the the peace and the joy of sharing with God. Yes, I see what's happened. I see what God's done. And so we pray. But the biggest risk is that we get what we want. And then we go on regardless. For us as a church, uh, God has been leading us gently year by year in how the whole of the church can grow and be close to him and close to each other. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 6-24 is still with us. Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances. And we do that together, which means that when things are hard, we can say and people will pray. People will listen. And when God answers something like that, we say, God, thank you. And we share with each other so that we are reminded that sometimes God hears us like that. Even for those of us who are in exile and we're still waiting for it. As we do this together, we are the people of God. We are the ones God has chosen, the ones he loves, and the ones he has promised to support, sustain, to nurture, to care for. So I'm going to pray and ask God to draw near to us again. And I just invite you, whether you are in need or whether you have people in your heart who are in need, lift them up to God and just allow him to remind you that he is close, he is faithful, he does keep his promises. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come amongst us? Lord Jesus, would you remind us of all you've already done for us? Would you enable us to give you thanks for our salvation, for your forgiveness, for your great love for us, that we are all of us children of a loving Heavenly Father? But Lord, where we are in exile, where we are suffering, we call out to you again. And we ask for your healing, for your cleansing, for you to fix the situation that causes us pain. And Lord, where you are staying your hand, we ask that you would give us strength, that we would continue to be faithful. We would continue to serve you, to love you, to honour you in what we do. And that we would be able to see you where your hand sustains us, where your hand blesses us, where you are protecting us. Lord, give us grace to rejoice 
to pray and to give thanks. That Jesus might be glorified in us and through us. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. Uh, if you'd like someone to pray for you, then please do just go to the, the anti-hill in the space at the back. Uh, as we prayed before the service, uh, there's a sense of God highlighting someone's spine. If you've got a pain in your back or a pain in your, in your spine, uh, then we'd love to pray for you. Um, again, if you can't get up and comfortably stand at the back while you've prayed for, then just indicate to someone and we'll come pray for you after the service. But let's just stand and worship together uh, and receive from God. <laughs>